Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. So good to have you all back and excited about this week's episode with Christine Monkhouse. And we're going to talk about digital voices, but from two perspectives. One perspective is that of an innovator, like someone who's doing a startup, which is pretty cool. But more importantly, is hearing the patient voice. So Christine has a really important voice that I want us all to hear, and it'll be a really good and interesting conversation. So again, welcome. You know, Digital Voices is all about bringing together digital voices from across the healthcare continuum, whether it's the payer side, provider side, retail big tech, life sciences, and again, most importantly, the patient's voice. And so, DJ Sydney, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about startups. Have you ever thought about doing a startup? And if so, what kind? I don't know if I've ever considered doing a startup, but I have my lifelong dream is to eventually have um, my own like foster home for dogs. Like I want to be the person in charge of finding forever homes for dogs, but I want to take all of them out of the bad, like the pounds and all of those places and have like a nice area for them and then have them like help them start their life from there. So I guess it's kind of like a startup. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a startup. I remember my first business was called Nightmare Enterprises, experts in exterior decorating. So I was in high school and me and some friends wanted to make some money and we loved to TP houses. Remember that phase? Well, you might be too young to know about that, but used to toilet paper people's houses just for fun. And so we put ads in the paper and people would pay us. So they'd give us someone's address, we'd, we'd charge them. And it was funny until the DA called. And so, you know, we're like 16 years old and the district attorney's calling us and they're like, do you know that's illegal and it's trespassing and all these bad things? And we're like, oh, we just thought it was kind of like fun, uh, nothing bad, but uh, that was the end of that startup. But that was my first sort of startup business. But we're here to talk more serious things. And that's why I'm so happy to have Christine with us. We met in New York City, Christine, I think mm, 2017, 2018. You had just begun pretty early stage of your startup. And I remember hearing about what you were doing and we just connected and I've thought about you ever since and the, and the service that you're doing there. And so we're really happy to have you. Thank you so very much. I'm happy to be here. Now, we like to have fun too. So one of the things that all of our listeners are wanting to know is what kind of music is your favorite? So what do you like to do listen to? Do we have to? all day? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, as it relates to Matter of the Heart, I love blues and country music. It hits the spot. Um, jazz suits my soul. Soca and Afrobeats uh, makes me feel alive uh, as though I'm in the Caribbean, no matter where in the world I might be. Uh, Chutney music, which is a crossover between Bollywood music and Caribbean music. Um, it has a special place in my heart, um, as does Calypso. 
Um, but reggae music has taught me everything I need to know about the world in which we live in and the injustices that exist within the relationships of ourselves and the people around us. Um, there is this one Bob Marley song, which is about, it, it, it's titled War. And in that song, he says, until uh, we have um, replaced this, 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 this philosophy of which one race is superior to the other, um, in which we um, essentially um, no longer look at the person's color, the color of the person's eyes as, as better than the color of the person's skin. And until we have uh, equity and equality for all, there will be war. And that is just a snippet of, uh, you know, a look into the music that I listen to and indulge in. I love it. Yeah, we could spend a lot of time on this. And you would really connect heavy with my wife, Simran, because she's, of Indian descent, but also, so she, some of the music you mentioned, she's really into, but also lived in Jamaica. Her her stepmother was from Jamaica. So she lived in Jamaica for a while. It was really into reggae and, and, and Bob Marley and some other artists. So that's really cool. What about, uh, and I think we probably heard a little bit of it already. What about your life message? Like, are there words that you live by? What, what, what is it that you're, you're so passionate about? So my passion for life is connected to really how I serve others. Um, I truly believe that there is no self in humanity, that we are all connected and that a part of our human experience is to figure out how we are using our natural given talents to meet the balance of serving ourselves through our service. Um, but but this and, and what I'm about to say next is really a statement around um, something that I, I think about in my daily life, which is that our karma is determined by the good, the bad, the ugly that we do in our human experience. And those are some things and thoughts that I, I run my life by. Yeah, no, I love it. And this is going to be way, way interesting. So tell us your story. So. You can start from the very beginning. We've got some time. Tell us your story. And, and then ultimately, we'll want to hear about your your company as well. So go for sure. it. Sure. So migrated to the United States in my early teens. Uh, was born and raised in Guyana, which is in South America. After uh, finishing high school, I went into home care because most of the women in my immigrant enclave was in the caregiving world. Um, I loved it so much that I became a certified nursing assistant while pursuing my undergraduate's degree. Uh, I worked in a nursing home. I worked at the local hospital um, in, and, and also in a care coordination role while pursuing my master's degree later on. And I concentrated in um, public health. Um, in all of those roles, uh, I kept hearing that the, the patient's voice was not being heard from patients themselves. Um, so I founded Patient Orator to really use storytelling to bring awareness uh, to health inequities but most importantly, to amplify the, the perspective of the patient uh, and, and to break down some of those barriers that exist between the patient and, the, and their providers and other stakeholders in the healthcare uh, ecosystem as well. Um, and today I am a CEO founder. I'm an award-winning documentarian for the film Humanizing Healthcare. I sit on the board uh, of the Society for Participatory Medicine. I am a professional patient partner at the Academy of Healthcare Communication and an advisor to we the Patients New York, which is an initiative by CSS, the Community Service Society of uh, New York. Um, I'm on the planning committee for the 2022 uh, National Health Policy Conference. And there are so many other roles that I sit in, but it's at the intersection of uh, health equity and the patient voice. Yeah, that's fascinating. Right. It's like, where do you find the time to do all that? Because like you alluded to, that's just uh, a little bit about what you do. 
So you mentioned that you had served like an NYP as a nursing assistant and, and nursing homes. So how did that help sort of inform who you are today and some of the th- some of the things that you'll be sharing with us, your philosophies and stuff? Sure. So this is a, a long story, but I'll try to keep it as condensed as I can. Um, so prior to joining uh, the, the local hospital that I worked at, I, I, I witnessed a lot of negligence and abuse for, uh, on patients. Um, this is the very start of my uh, experience in the healthcare sector, I would say. It was very dis- disheartening to me and it was scary because I was a young adult. In retrospect, my view in the health system uh, was that it was the industrialization component of it um, was harmful. And I was eager to do something and work towards changing that and making healthcare more healing and more accessible uh, for all. So when I started working at the hospital, you mentioned in particular, um, they were transitioning to a new name and a new entity. As an employee, I got to witness the transition from an old entity to a new entity. And while on the outside, the name of the organization had changed on the inside, many of the policies had remained the same, um, which meant that the culture was still the same. And while I can't speak for what it might be like today to work there, um, I will say that there were many ways in which a patient experience could have benefited if I had been retained as an employee um, or if my concerns for patient safety were taken seriously. And again, my position had very little administrative uh, decision-making power. However, I had a tremendous amount of intel that could have improved care. And based on, and that's solely based on my experience on the grounds, working alongside patients, um, and, and again, my budding education in public health. Um, I was easily able to identify the connection between outcomes and experience. Um, now, on the flip side of that, which would be the patient experience piece or a patient population piece, is that uh, the hospital that I worked at is in the heart of Queens, New York. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Queens is known as the world's borough. And the fact is that there is over 800 languages spoken in New York City and uh, nowhere in the world has more languages spoken than Queens. And this is according to the uh, endangered language uh, alliance the ela um and so i got to witness people come in across different socioeconomic uh, status uh, for care at the hospital that i worked at um, i got to be a part of the team that served thousands of patients and this was during my time there which uh, meant that i got to witness many communication barriers and many uh, social determinants of health uh, barriers that hindered ultimately outcomes both not only for the individual, but also for the population as a whole. Um, so for anyone who has any decision-making power that's listening to this, my advice to administrators would be um, ways in which you can solve issues that your organization is facing is really by listening to the people that you're serving, which are the patients and the, the employees on the front lines. Yeah, that's a very, very good point because you know as we make our way up the executive ranks, and, and most of our listeners are at the director and executive level, we hear less and less of the patient voice. We hear less and less of the caregiver voice. And pretty soon we're sort of in that ivory tower and we lose touch. And as much as we think we're in touch, we're not. We, you, you, by nature, by default, there's no way you can be. So I agree with you. You have to double down on your time to really listen to the people that you ultimately are there to serve. And that's the patients and your employees. I call them caregivers. 
And, you know, there's other ways, Christine, that you can do it as well. So you can volunteer. So I spent every week volunteering. And so I hung out with patients. I spent every week uh, serving as an anesthesia tech. And the, my fellow anesthesia techs did not know I was an executive. And I've got to hear firsthand how they viewed, you know, the culture, how they viewed how we were doing. And also I got to hang out with cl other clinicians and patients again. So there's different things you can do as you're suggesting, so you don't lose touch. And if you're not doing anything, you've lost touch. I'll just say it like that. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Tell us about Patient Orator. So you are an entrepreneur. You're the CEO of Startup. Tell us about your company. Oh, my goodness. Uh, first of all, so Patient Orator is a digital health platform uh, that is addressing healthcare disparities by powering a meaningful patient uh, provider communication and bridging uh, resource uh, gaps for underserved people. Um, our HIPAA-compliant patient-facing app helps individuals voice their health concerns, prep for their appointment, manage their medication routine, and improve their knowledge in various health conditions. And then on, on the flip side of that, we also have a clinician portal, which is currently in its design phase. And what we're doing there is we're helping clinical teams really capture meaningful data around the patient stories to improve a clinical decision making around high risk individuals in need of socioeconomic and or medical attention uh, pre and post visit. So what we're looking to do there is really improve outcomes through patient reported out, uh, out, patient reported data. So our clinic, uh, clinical clinician dashboard is available for um, essentially for a demo, and the app also is available for demo. So that's really cool, and I can testify to the fact that even if you belong to a great organization, so I belong to great organizations in the past, my co-writer of a book that's coming out next year on patient experience belongs to a great organization. Even in these great organizations, there are these gaps that you've identified, Christine, and there needs to be something to remediate these gaps. And so I'm really thrilled about the work that you're doing with Patient Orator. Now, it is Digital Voices, and so a lot of our audience also are entrepreneurs or want to be. So kind of like we're talking about with Sydney, you know, like, hey, maybe we have some other ideas about launching our own companies and, and joining this digital revolution. What are some lessons learned as a CEO of a startup or advice that you would give to others who are thinking about doing something similar? Oh my God, you're making me smile because there's so <laughs> many, <laughs> there's been so many lessons learned. Um, you know, I started Patient Orator because I wanted to do good in healthcare. Uh, specifically, I wanted to improve health outcomes and reduce healthcare disparities, um, in addition to making healthcare more equitable. But what I've learned is that it didn't matter how good my intentions were or how many stories I'd capture to articulate the problem, that the U.S. healthcare system is a business and that at various parts of my journey, I should say, that the lessons were different. So in the beginning, I was doing, you know, I, I knew that I was doing the right thing. 
um, by providing folks uh, with the decision making power uh, about what it is that that we were doing. Um, but but then the the bottom line had always been, but what is the return on investment? And so for me, it was we're improving outcomes. We're we're providing patients with with the ability to be empowered in 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 their decision making. But it didn't matter because we couldn't communicate and or articulate what ROI is in terms of improving uh, the patient experience. Um, another lesson while building, I would say, is around um, the significant amount of capital that is required to build a business from the ground up. Um, and this is especially because healthcare systems, even though they might be open to innovation, um, as you know, they may say on their website that they're open to innovation, but they may, may not be as open to bringing in uh, solutions and or uh, companies that they're not as familiar with. And so there's a lot of barriers there that, that are not seen, unlike other other industries where you can, you know, sell directly to the customer. Um, it, with the healthcare industry, is, is completely, it's significantly different, I would say. And so um, I think these days, the barriers that we see or some of the challenges that we see is as my colleague and I are knocking on the doors of healthcare organizations and we're, we're discussing how people could benefit from our, our platform, what we're hearing is come back when you have more data. Right. So it's like we're, we have to, we're having to now prove for ourselves that what we say we're doing now that we've built it, um, that it really works and that it can really do true data. We can prove true data that it does what it does. Um, so. Keep in mind, I would say that we're in a climate of a global pandemic um, and many people have acknowledged the importance of health equity and they've uh, acknowledged the importance of uh, utilizing uh, social determinants of health um, uh, and, and having the assessments there and meeting patients where they are. But those barriers still very much exist. Um, but to kind of turn this a little bit more positive, I would say that, that that what keeps us going or, you know, my team and I is the fact that we have a solution that we know is going to improve um, efficiency, is going to improve outcomes. Um, and I think the, the last piece is um, uh, quality. Yeah, you're, you, you've really identified one of the hard parts and perhaps one of the reasons why healthcare is a little bit behind in my estimation, in my opinion, when it comes to digital transformation is, is very hard for us to adopt new ideas and it's very hard for us to be innovative. And so there is this inertia to be more innovative. And you do hear that from a lot of organizations, but the cycle for a new company to come into a established health system is, is at least a year. And there's so many barriers to bringing in fresh ideas and this type of innovation that you're talking about. And so as a result, people give up, organizations sort of give up, they stick with what is, is known and comfortable. And so you don't see a lot of rapid change. And so one of the reasons we do this podcast is really to encourage organizations to work closely with individuals like you, Christine, and, and really bring about this revolution in healthcare. And so we can leverage all the technology that exists and is being used in other industries and applying it here so that we can ensure that we have better outcomes, that we reduce uh, and eliminate disparities and make sure healthcare is equitable for everyone. So your voice, you know, I can tell, Christine, uh, from your, your passion, from the, some of the things that you said, you know, you, you definitely have a very strong opinion, which I appreciate, about healthcare and, and what we need to hear. So, you know, whether it's around outcomes disparity, uh, equitability of healthcare, 
you know, what, what is, what is that message that you want to bring across? And, and again, part of the reasons why you develop patient order uh, to help organizations. Uh, I would say that, you know, first and foremost, I live with unmanaged chronic pain. So I know firsthand how important it is to solve for healthcare disparities. Um, I have been on the receiving end of poor patient experience, and therefore, um, I don't want anyone to be delayed care because of the color of their skin, their age, because they're seemingly healthy, um, because of their gender or their income, their ethnicity, etc. You know, I hope that one day soon um, that we can move the needle and get to this place past healthcare disparities, that we can adopt uh, solutions such as patient order and others that are in the space um, that can help the healthcare industry be more proactive rather than reactive. I think that that would be the difference between life and death for some people. Um, and it could be the difference between um, sickness or health. And I think it's as simple as that. We, we really have to move past this narrative of, you know, it's a long cycle and, you know, the barriers are there. I think we know that healthcare disparities exist. And and, and, and like I said, I, I, I personally don't want other people to experience what I've experienced. Yeah. And I think that the more people like yourself and hopefully digital voices, which is what we're trying to do as well, hopefully as voices raise up this issue, raise up the visibility that we can see improvements. And certainly there are some health systems that are leading the way. Uh, there's a couple uh, in New York, uh, the greater New York region, uh, that are doing some good things, but, but we just need more and more of it. And I think the more that individuals and leaders can experience what it might be like for others that are different than them will kind of make this heart change. I always talk about you know, Christine, that probably 90% of people, they're in healthcare already. They, they sort of have a bent towards being empathetic and caring, and they get it in their brain, in the head, but maybe not in the heart. And you don't want them to have an experience like I've had traumatic healthcare experience. You don't want people to have to have that in order to become a little bit more enlightened, if you will, about all of the challenges uh, that we all need to work on together. So hopefully some of the things that we're sharing today and the things that you're doing and with your company can help us uh, move the needle. And again, there, I do want to acknowledge the fact that there are some health systems out there really doing some good things and, and certainly other leaders that are carrying that message. But we need more and more and we, and we need more action. So we've covered a lot here in the last few minutes. Christine, you know, we, we talked about everything from sort of what it's like to do a startup and the lessons learned, and also what it is that patient order, the gap that you're trying to close. And is there anything that we need to sort of double down on in terms of what we've talked about that might be helpful for our audience to, to help them really see why this topic of, you know, eliminating disparities, making healthcare more equitable for everyone, the patient experience improved for everyone, regardless of backgrounds. Is there something else that, that you'd like to share? I mean, I think the, the evidence is in the data. Um, if you Google healthcare disparities, there's enough data there that, that should be able to move someone to action. 
you spoke about the fact that, um, you know, in your experience, you had gone on the floors and you had, you know, people didn't know who you were. I think a lot of healthcare executives are sheltered from the, the reality of what experiences and should probably do something like what you did. And, and the reason for that is because I know when I worked at, at various health systems, there is what's known as VIP. And so when a patient comes in that is related to someone from the administrative team or, or, or that is a part of the healthcare system that they're being treated at, um, they receive better care. And the reason for that is because they are part of, you know, they have the relatives and our friends that work there. When the experience might be significantly different for someone who's walking off the streets who have zero connections to that health system. And so that's the, that's a part of the problem when we speak about access. You know, some people can't access healthcare because they, they don't have insurance. They have all of these limitations. Um, and then you have other people who are given preferential treatment based on who they know. And that is a part of what inequity is. And so if, if you don't believe the data that exists, just look around your organization, um, take a step back for a second, and, and you give such a perfect example of what you did to kind of, you know, remove those rose-colored glasses and see the reality of the experience from, from the patient lens. Yeah, there, no, you hit on something sort of controversial that not many people know about, but, you know, many hospitals have specific floors for VIPs. And... I always struggled with that. You know, at first I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then I thought, why should, and I can't name names because that's not really my goal here, but why should so-and-so have this immediate access to healthcare while other people have to wait and they get a special floor with a special view with a special team? It's like, that's not right. It, it just uh, goes against the grain of everything that I I believe to be true and why we all got the healthcare in the first place. And, and we need to stop that. I mean, they, they have special, I, I, I don't want to get into it too deeply because again, I, I want to, I, I need to, I, I'm not calling people out or organizations out with this podcast, but people should know that that exists and it should, that's one of the first things we should do is to get rid of that structure. It's just not right. Everyone should have the exact same access and level of care regardless of who they are or who they know. And it's it's just so wrong at many levels. So I'm going to stop talking because you got me going on that one. And it's something we're going to cover in our book. Uh, again, it'll be a little bit controversial, but it needs to be exposed. I don't think the majority of people realize that that is a practice that happens in, in many, many organizations uh, today. So thanks for bringing that up. Christine, if, I'm so glad that you're on our podcast, and I know that we're going to be talking some more. So if other people listening enjoy just the snippet of what we heard from Christine today and her passion and her life's mission, she's going to be one of the speakers of our Digital Voices Conference. So we do one or two of these virtual conferences each year. The next one is January 13th, and we always leave it to just four or five speakers. It's not about the quantity of speakers. It's, it's really about the message of the speakers and this message that you have in your heart Christine for what you're trying to accomplish is exactly what healthcare needs to hear today so we're so glad that you'll be joining us on January 13th and we'll have more time dedicated just for you uh, to share what's what's going on in your life and the things that you're doing to to make this world a better place so, Christine, I'm going to leave the last word to you, put the pressure on you as we close out this podcast. 
Anything else that you'd like to share with our audience before we close? Um, I, I think that I like the question that you have proposed beforehand, uh, which was around 10 years from now, where do you envision uh, healthcare? So for me personally, 10 years from now, I envision a world, regardless of location, um, where the patient's story is a key part of the healthcare treatment that the person is receiving, that is guiding the information between the patient and the clinician interaction. So I'll say that one more time, just in case I was all over the place with yes. it. So uh, 10 years from now, I envision a world uh, where the patient story is a key part of their uh, health treatment, guiding the information between the patient-clinician interaction. Um, a place where everyone is able to access health equitably, using tools to improve their individual health management. And it's as simple as that. What a perfect way to end our time today. Thank you, Christine, again, for being our guest. It was awesome. And I wish you nothing but, but great success and definitely want to reconnect with you the next time I'm out in New York City. So thanks for being Absolutely. our guest. Absolutely. Thank you so very much for having me and inviting me in your platform. It is amazing. Thank you. This wraps up another episode of Digital Voices. Join us again next week. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.